On this week's episode, we have the co-founders of Backer. Backer is an engagement software tool primed to make a big splash in the era of content creators. We speak about what it's like to raise money in an incubator, the process of hiring a team, especially during a remote setting, and we also talk about what it's like to raise further funds and what it's like to budget for a company that is pre-revenue. So without further ado, let's dive in the pool, baby. Yeah, we're live. Awesome. Well, uh, Emily, Duncan, Mickey, welcome to the New Wave Podcast. How are you guys doing today? Good. Feeling great. Thanks for having us. Fantastic. Where's where's everyone calling in from today? I can start. Uh, I am currently in Banff, Alberta, uh, from my home home, so it's very comfortable here. (laughs) Awesome. I'm on the uh, other side of the country in Coal Harbor, Nova Scotia also in my home <laughs> beautiful and i'm at home in toronto awesome awesome well i mean that's what you gotta love about uh virtual virtual meetups like this you can do it from all over the world and i don't know why didn't we we didn't think of this originally we kind of were restricted to in-person guests but now we got the uh whole seven billion population of the earth as potential guests so that's awesome um <laughs> Obviously, guys, we're here to discuss Backer. For our audience, would you guys like to start off with maybe a little background about all of you guys and then what your specific roles are at Backer and then if someone wants to maybe give like that high-level overview of what Backer is? I can give a spiel of what Backer is to start off. Um, so what we do is we help content creators build sustainable online businesses, um, one meaningful connection at a time. So as what you guys are saying, like, um, I think each person can like make a splash on the world, um, have their own passions. And now with the internet available, you know, you can turn that into a real career. So uh, the core problem that we're solving is that we think that personal engagement with your fans is what's going to drive your business. So we use data to help you do that better. Um, And I am the CEO. So I do a lot of the Kind of thinking about our team, kind of the future vision of the company, just making sure the lights are still on and enabling our team to do what they do best. Emily, Duncan, you guys, well, what is your specific roles? Um, yeah, so Emily, I already introduced myself, or you did. Um, <laughs> so my role in team, my title is Chief Growth Officer. Um, basically, what I do is kind of like the head of like our marketing and sales initiatives. So really looking for like, you know, new ways to reach our customers. Um, And what we're doing right now is a big push for like our online brand presence. So this is actually like perfect timing for us Um, because, you know, as we're a company trying to help creators build careers online, uh, we want to show that like we really know the online space um, on different social medias. So yeah, we're uh, over the next month or so, we're doing a big push there so yeah I kind of oversee those initiatives Um, we have a couple of business development interns so I'm kind of the um, I manage them and their day-to-day tasks as well 
Um, yeah, me and Mickey work very closely together. Great, thanks. And I'm Duncan, CTO at Backer, so responsible for the tech platform, uh, the technical infrastructure, and sort of building our web app in addition to the other developers at Backer. And uh, let's take it to absolute day zero here of Backer. Where did this idea, you know, come from? Was it a uh, random spark of uh, imagination? Did you guys always have some kind of idea? How did you guys like meet in the first place? Where did Backer originate from? Um, yeah, so our team came together in the summer of 2019. Um, so at Queens, we all went to Queens University and they have a summer like entrepreneurship program there. Um, so we all were enrolled in that program just as individuals. And through that program, we all met decided that we really vibe together, want to start a company together, um, obviously had like different skill sets as well. And so then we just like started brainstorming, like literally any idea we could. It's so <laughs> random. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we were thinking about, you know, weddings and like sports tools, like honestly, like any problem we could ever think of. Um, we did like weeks of brainstorming. <laughs> um, but kind of what we kept coming back to, like no matter what like area um, we were looking into was this whole idea of like online connectivity and that like that's the way the world is going right now. You know, as consumers, we're always demanding more and, you know, turning to YouTube and like social media, um, like Instagram to get like more content. And those are the the people that we see on those platforms are like what society is um, more gearing towards. And so with that, we just started reaching out to creators and interviewing them, asking them like what problems they have, what's their day-to-day -day life. Um, and then, so we kind of landed on the, the big problem that we're solving today is like, as a creator, um, as like a full-time creator, like because this can be a full-time job, uh, what's really important is engaging with your audience, but people are struggling to really do that in the best way and to optimize that. Um, like there's data analytic analytics for everything right now, but it doesn't, mm -hmm. there isn't kind of a great solution for analyzing the unique audiences of online creators. Sweet. So what's interesting about this story, it seems like you guys came together with this entrepreneurship program and you're brainstorming stuff from weddings, sports, everything under the sun. And you kind of, you know, saw everything's becoming digital. There's probably lots of opportunity here. So before like Backer came together, you're telling me you went to creators, asked them questions, and based off those questions, that's kind of how the company got formed together. And it's probably like something you saw consistent across all of them. Exactly. Yeah, it was a pretty funny process at the beginning like we'd literally cold email youtubers be like hey mm -hmm. like we'd love to talk to you with like no nothing in mind <laughs> and then we just ask them like random questions <laughs> and see what they would say and i remember like the very first creator that reached back out to us um pascal he's from montreal and just like so nice and he's like i love that you guys are just like exploring the space and i want to help and like like ask me any questions and so that's kind of where it started he was like our first like big person that we talked to and yeah over time we saw some patterns and the problems were consistent and so we uh, did more research asked more targeted questions and that's yeah how we came up with our problem statement awesome how many people do you think you reached out to originally before you thought you were onto something 
I don't know. We talked to, I feel like we also talked to a lot of people that don't now fit our like customer profile, like just random people on Instagram who are trying to make it big. There are a few people at Queens that had like big followings on Instagram, but uh, they're currently not really our customers, but those are the conversations that got rolling to our idea now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe like, I don't know, 20, 30 people, something like that. And what was the pitch? It was like, like you kind of said like hey guys like just trying to figure out some stuff here just want to ask you questions not really sure what i want to get out of this but are you down to chat like what what would you tell them exactly yeah honestly pretty much like i think what uh what we played a, a what played a big role in like the reach out was like we'd use our like our school queen's emails and be like hey we're just some students wanting to learn more <laughs> yeah 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 is like help us out you know and like i feel like as a student, like when you see student, you're like, ah, like we need to help them, you know? So we really <laughs> definitely worked that into a lot of our emails. Yes. Um, but yeah, we're basically like, oh, we're interested in the creator space. Can we talk to you? And people were pretty receptive, actually, you know? Yeah, we got like, a love oh. talking about themselves, like we're doing right now. <laughs> I mean, that's why we're in business right now. We just uh, ask a couple of questions and you can just take it away. Yeah. Um, so- <laughs> Cool. So kind of next <laughs> next steps from there, like uh, you said you reached out to a bunch of like different platforms. Why did you think YouTube was the one? And is that what you currently guys are focusing on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I think honestly, the first reason we went to YouTube is because the people that got back to us <laughs> were like YouTubers and like had the most relevant problems that we were solving. And so because we based it off of just those like personal stories, we just leaned into YouTube and did more research into YouTube. Um, like looking back now, I think it was completely the right choice. Um, Instagram is definitely a huge platform, but YouTube is kind of like where you can make more money or like it's kind of like this core, the core platform. And like so many people we've talked to say that YouTube is the place to be like, you need to build your audience on YouTube because mm-hmm. it's not going anywhere. So yeah, I'm glad with the decision that we made. And so this is uh this is like a platform software. Like, how does, how do you even start? Like, you, you you have all these interviews with these people. You're like, we need more engagement. How do you guys think you're going to solve that? Like, what's the next step there? Do you, do you go back to the drawing board? Like, all right, now we have a problem to solve. What's next? Talk about, like, the next couple of steps. Did you guys go through, like, any accelerator programs or what happened there to actually build out the platform? Mm-hmm. Duncan, do you want to talk about our MVP build? Yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that you've described it fairly well. You get the interviews and you identify your problem. Then the next step is you want to sort of validate your solution. So for us, that meant seeing how can we hack together a prototype of what would be, you know, the very earliest MVP of what our final product delivers, which is, as Mickey Gunn said in the introduction, like, prioritization of um, engagements for content creators. And so we basically figured out like what's the easiest and fastest way that we can get the most information. And um, by information, I mean like seeing if uh, users will use, like users will benefit from something that we can offer them. And so we did that by basically using uh, creative methods and Hack together software. <laughs> what was it though? You got to describe in detail what our MVP was because it's hilarious. <laughs> so our 
MVP before we had any front end or any software at all. We um, used Google Sheets to create basically a um, kind of mock version of a inbox. Uh, we're using like rows and columns. And then each row and column would get populated by a user's data from that we gathered, like collected from YouTube. And in this way, kind of like simulated what a actual software like front end inbox would look like. But there actually was no software involved. It was entirely <laughs> just created on like basically Excel. <laughs> right on. So after doing that experiment, you made the MVP, you finally have somewhat of a product. At what point in time? Can you kind of just give us the process now that you've had your MVP, you've had all these interviews. Now, how do you take the business to the next level? How do you guys build a product that you can pitch to consumers, not as just the students who wanted to interview them to get a bit more info, but now as an actual company trying to provide them with a solution that'll benefit? It's a good question. I mean, I feel like we're still in that process. Like, I wouldn't say that at any point in time we're like, oh, like we've made it now. We're like a real company. We're still, you know, not revenue positive. We're still like experimenting, exploring, iterating on our platform right now. But I think that so after we after that stage of like our MVP and then like COVID hit and there was a lot of time of, of just like uh, the tech team was like building our platform. And then Emily and I were just like, what were we, were we even doing? Just like researching and reaching out to more creators, trying to talk to them. And I think just those like months of like diving headfirst into the space, like talking to more people, you know, reading articles, like watching YouTube videos, kind of like it made clear that like what we're building is real and that people want what we're building. Um, I think like more recently in the last couple months, like when I email people or when I talk to them, they're like, this provides value beyond anything that I've seen before or like big create massive mm -hmm. creators, like creators with like 3 million subscribers will be like I can't wait to use our platform like when is it going to be ready and that's kind of like when I know that when we realize that okay like this is real we just need to execute now so also I think um yeah going back to your question like when do you know kind of when to take the next step I guess um there's actually a big problem I remember we had like we didn't know how much time we should be spending collecting like know more like user data so like doing more interviews versus starting to actually like build the product um because like we had this mvp um we are show like we were showing this to creators you know we were reaching out to new people getting on calls with them being like hey this is what we have what do you think of it even though it was like basically an excel sheet <laughs> but we're like this is like basically this is um like our vision and this is all it is now but we're going to build this and then I think what we like what we realized is like at some point you kind of start getting the same like there's a pattern of like feedback and so at some point we're like you know what we've gotten like all these creators have told us yes I would use this like this looks great it's something I've never like seen before or but like this will help me um then it's like okay like now let's build it um like we had gotten enough validation and I think is that point of like knowing when we had enough, I think was tricky for us. Um, but at some point we're like, okay, we're either gonna continue with this Google sheet or <laughs> we're going to try to actually build out the product. Um, so yeah, so now we have our product, our alpha. I love that answer just because, yeah, as you said in entrepreneurship, there's no 
there's nothing saying like, all right, now that we've completed this, we're good to go. You never really know when the time is. You got to just try it and then see how it goes. And either you go back to the drawing board, either interview more people or it's ready to go and you can move forward. So in terms of obviously you can't have a business interview at this point in time without talking about COVID. So what like take us back to March. What happens? What happened in March? COVID hit. Did you got how'd you guys react to it? Yeah, we were stunned too when COVID hit. <laughs> <laughs> I can't yeah. see people, so I'm like, I'm not sure who is like looking yeah, at no. the question. Um Duncan, yeah, that's the top part with the browser. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, take it away. <laughs> uh, yeah, so after COVID hit in March, we were at that point all together in Kingston. Um, and it was great. We could have face to face meetings. And then we. <laughs> and then um, soon we are all back in our respective home cities, which we listed off kind of at the beginning. And as you kind of heard, our respective home cities are all very far away from each other in three different time zones, and if not more time zones, actually. And um, yeah, so we learned to basically work remotely. And I think that we were in the fortunate situation of having already created um, really strong kind of internal team connections that we were able to continue them through COVID. And then um, building on like the strong, like inter-founder relationships, we were able to build like a strong, what I would call like virtual company culture that has since been able to um, extend out to the new hires that we've since like brought on, even though we didn't get the chance to build like those strong connections with our new hires in person, like we did as a founding team, because we established sort of, a, I, I think a very strong um, virtual culture. It's actually been quite good. And for us at this point, like we really don't know anything different. Uh, you know, it's sort of like we're the we're the generation that grew up on the internet and on YouTube and with content creators, and we're also the generation that has grown up from work from home. So it's sort of just our normal. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's obviously a, a tough problem. I'm sure many companies have. I mean, instilling a culture first and foremost is very difficult. Doing it virtually is leaps and bounds more difficult because <laughs> there's not the nuances of being together with people, learning people's mannerisms. So that's great to hear. And you mentioned that you started making some hires like uh, within like when things went virtual. How do you know when to bring on the next person? And who, who was like the first hire? Was it still you three when COVID hit? And then who's the next person up? And kind of how, how did that process go? I think our first hire was Duncan's cousin. Is that right? Kaylin. Mm -hmm. um, it was actually, honestly, COVID has been like really good for our company because one of the big things that we benefited from was um, there's a lot of grants for small businesses um, and also to like hire uh, young talent. And so we've actually been able to hire now probably like eight people in total, like over this COVID time. Um, like mostly through government grants and that was like a really really great opportunity for us so yeah we first hired Duncan's cousin and like my sister's friend and I think maybe they had like lost their jobs or their internships or something so then they're like cool opportunity like get paid work for the startup that's whatever happening <laughs> and so 
that was our first hire and like honestly when we first hired them we had like no processes like we didn't onboard them we we're just like yeah like we hired you but we don't know what we're doing so like just work for us and then um the next hire we had was like in the fall um how how and like we tried to formalize our processes a little bit more and then at that point like covid was still you know going on strong so they the government released another bunch of big grants and so we hired was it six people all at once five or six people all at once so that's the team that we have right now is we are the three of us and six others um but yeah w without covid we couldn't have made any of those hires so we're super thankful for the canadian government <laughs> <laughs> shout out trudeau yeah shout out <laughs> always so you mentioned you hired six people and i was just looking at your 2020 year in review and you said that was all within a span of two weeks yeah. Can you talk about I don't know who would be the best. Maybe Emily, you said you manage some of the the interns and the uh, the new hires. But what's it like? You'd have to balance your jobs. You have six new people joining all at once. What was that like? Yeah, it was wild. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so because we hired, um, was it four? Because we had How How. So he's on the development team. He's a full stack developer. And then we hired four others on the dev team and then two on the business side. Um, so we are going from managing one other to six. <laughs> and I think like, you know, everyone told us, we heard it so many times, like, don't hire all these, like too many people at once. Like you can't handle it. Um, we've heard it so many times, but we're like, why not? <laughs> um, like, why not take advantage of like these grants? And like to us, we're like, more hands is better. Like we can move faster. That's what we want to do in this industry. And so let's just do it and learn as we go. Um, and we learned a lot. <laughs> I think like the biggest thing for me is like, I guess like among founders, you know, you, every day is different and you kind of make the like decisions on the fly depend, like whatever you think is like number one priority today, like that's what you'll do. But then when you're managing hires, it's like you need to be, like be a little bit more structured, you know, give like task responsibilities. Um, and I think that's something that we didn't really plan in advance, especially like on our side, like with the sales and marketing um, interns. And so like they've been incredible. Like from the beginning, we're like, hey, we're just going to be honest. Like we are, have a big team now. We're not used to this. Um, just roll with us. And I hope that you can be patient and adaptable with like whatever, you know, we throw your way and they're like, yep, let's do it. Like, it's all good. And they have been just that, like, just so patient and adaptable. And like, now I think we've all like really found our groove, you know, like what um, the best way is to manage people, how like everyone communicates differently. So like, how can we like make sure we're like clear on like responsibilities, but also give enough like freedom in your tasks so like people can take initiatives type of thing um so yeah it's been a huge learning curve but I think like it was a really great one to have especially early on in our company to kind of get a better sense of like, what it means to manage a team and grow a team so overall it's been a positive experience <laughs> That's crazy. You guys uh very, very scrappy, it seems like, you know, just uh, constantly just choosing action over uh, over thoughts, because a lot of people can definitely get stuck in the idea phase. And it seems like you guys are like, let's just do it. Like, shoot first, ask questions later. 
let's hire some interns, let's get it going, let's get some grant money, let's keep this uh, keep this rolling. So I'm curious with all the grants and um, I don't know if you got are you guys like charging any of your clients yet are you, or is this strictly running off grants right now? Yep, strictly running off grants and then also um, at the end of the Queen's entrepreneurship program at Quixie, we won the final pitch competition, which gave us a little bit of money to work with. So we've just been yeah, floating off of pitch money and grant money. <laughs> right. So you guys have like a runway more or less then, right? And that means you guys have no choice kind of just to get the ball rolling. What is it like? Is this someone managing kind of the like, I guess, finances of that? And then, uh, yeah, just talk to uh, talk to us about what it's like having that runway and how you're going to kind of take the next steps towards maybe uh, building up the product more and begin charging clients when you guys imagine that might happen. Yeah, um, so as CEO, the finances fell under my position but to be honest I like really didn't want to do it um, like I'm not confident with finance managing finances like it's not interesting to me and like I did commerce but it's just not a thing that I like doing but as it falling under my role I was like yes I can definitely take responsibility for it and so with our runway um, yeah we do have a runway but it, it doesn't stress me out too much because I think no matter what happens we will get the money when we need it and uh, we are looking to raise um, sometime this year, probably. And something we've been it's talking exciting. about a lot. Yeah, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, is having like creators as investors. And mm-hmm. I thought this was just like an idea that we had floated around between our team, but it's actually something that the industry is buzzing about is like the next generation of creators. Like creators aren't going to become billionaires or millionaires from like creating YouTube videos. Like they're also going to start investing in companies and be like these thought leaders. And I was like really excited that that is a thing that's happening. And so I would like to strive toward that and having like some, yeah, create like influential creators on our cap table because that just makes us look so good. And like we're in the space and we know like the people that support us are the people that we support, if that makes sense. So I think that would be really cool. Um, so yeah, we will see how, how that process goes. It's like, honestly, I just go on the internet and Google like, how do you raise money? And like, <laughs> listen to people speak and like put my own documents together of like articles that are helpful to me. And that's how I've learned like a little bit about investing. Um, we also have uh, an advisor who's like really great. And he's like, I can kind of handhold you through the whole process. Cause it's like all new. And there's just so many things that you have to learn along the way to have someone that you can always ask questions to is great. So I haven't started that process yet, but that's coming in the next, like, like I'm meeting him tomorrow for our, like first meeting. So it's exciting. That is super exciting. And uh, I guess not really to backtrack here, but it's crazy just the fact that you guys were able to get these grants and actually hire people during a time when so many people lost their job. That's uh, that's just incredible to hear, especially pre-revenue. So I'll, I, I bet that raise is uh, probably a pretty big priority for you guys. It's super exciting to have the advisor on. Um, let me uh, let me try and just understand the platform a bit better. So it's an audience engagement platform, like in the most basic sense, high level. So if I'm a YouTube creator, let's say I have a cooking show, Mike's cooking show, and I just, I, you know, I love different recipes from there. And I'm like, hey, backer, I got some, I got some fans. I got a couple fans, you know, it's growing. I don't know what to do with them. I don't know how to engage with them properly. What are you guys then pitching back to me and being like, don't worry, Mike, you and your cooking fans will be very happy with Backer. We'll show you how to how to do, interact with them. What are you guys pitching to the actual content creator? 
pitching mm. to Mike's cooking show. To Mike's cooking show. Um, okay, we have this new like funnel theory that I've been pitching to creators, and it's like resonated quite well. So I'll, I'll pitch that to you like you're a creator. Mm. So there's a funnel, okay? So as a creator, what you're trying to do is get people to come to your page, that's the top of the funnel, and like discover you. Then you want them to watch your stuff. That's kind of like the next part of the funnel. And then at the end, you want them to be like your top fans, like someone who's going to like support you, follow you on all your platforms, like buy your merchandise, buy your hot sauce, uh, buy your T-shirt with your face on it, like share your stuff, talk about you. Like that's kind of the goal. And you want as a creator, your goal is to push people to the bottom of that funnel and keep them there. And right now uh, you have no way of knowing where anyone is in that funnel and you have no way of like uh, kind of targeting the right people at the right time. So currently you're probably, you know, just replying to comments on YouTube, you know, randomly guessing who you should respond to. You can't get to everybody. So you're just going to do your best. Uh, you might start recognizing some fans and like know that they're kind of, kind of some of your top fans, but you don't know, like you just don't have the data or the, the tools to, or the insights to um, target those people. So then what our platform does is we analyze, you know, who are all of your fans? What are their behaviors uh, engaging with your platform? And then we tell you like, okay, you should respond to Emily, who is like really interested in your hot sauce line right now, like sell her your product right now. Or Duncan is, has never engaged with your channel. This is the first time he's commenting, like comment back so that you can bring him into your channel. Like that engagement is so important. Like from a fan's perspective, Duncan's like, wow, Mike's cooking show just responded to me. I'm going to watch another video. Mm -hmm. And so we help you optimize that process of how you engage with your audience. So it seems like two things I get out of that. So um, one of the ways to make uh, money on YouTube is like advertisement. Uh, but the other thing, it's like through you guys' platform, I'm going to be able to build, truly build the brand of Mike's Cooking Show, get the, get the fans really engaged, make sure they know what I'm doing at all times. And that also leads eventually kind of to like being able to monetize that audience. That's that's the whole like thing with Backer, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah, so like as a YouTuber, there's kind of like the business model of YouTuber is revenue streams. Um, like if you're really truly doing this as a full-time job, um, just ad revenue isn't going to cut it for you. Um, and kind of you have to monetize outside of the platform. So that's why you see like a bunch of like, you know, brand deals, sponsorships on videos, um, and then creators going on to make their own products. Like you see a lot of food products, you know, coffee or merchandise. And so kind of like first it's like building up that brand and then converting your viewers to these like loyal fans who will actually pay dollars for you. And so, um, so yeah, so what we're trying to do is like help these individuals who are creating these businesses to understand where their fans lie within that funnel. Um, and so they can kind of target the ones that are most likely to become like, uh, to convert to like a paying customer. Um, so yeah, so in like just go coming, going with the industry, like so many people want are becoming TikTokers and YouTubers and really can become successful on these platforms. Um, so that's why we think like the time is now to do backer and to help these creators make successful businesses from like just their creative passions. Fabulous. I'm, <laughs> I'm sold for sure. Um, so what's kind of, I know you mentioned uh, looking to raise money next. What's really on the docket for 2021 for backer? 
everything. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much. I think um, for me personally, like I made my 2021 goal, like get our first paying customer. Um, I think that's in the near horizon. I think with, you know, we're still making a few tech updates uh, to get the platform where it needs to be, but people are excited and I think we can get our first paying customer. So yeah, I don't want to think too long-term. I think long-term goals sometimes like uh, take you away from what you need to be doing right now. And so that's my, uh, that's what I see for 2021 is getting our first paid customer. What about you, Duncan, Emily? Yeah, I mean, when I look at 2021, my first thought is to think about where we were at this time in 2019, or should I say 2020? Uh, and yeah, like how far we've come in that those 12 months that never would have expected that we'd be on this podcast, for instance, never would have expected that we would even be able to imagine raising or have a product at all. And so when you look at it from that perspective, it's tough to uh, imagine where we could be one year from now. Yeah, I guess um, I was going to say from me, I um, totally agree with Mickey. Like when I was coming in 2021, I was like, yo, we are getting a paying customer. I don't know. Like it could be in the next month or it could be in the next four months. I don't know, but we are getting some dollars. Um, <laughs> and I think the other thing is like really focusing. Like one thing that we've learned is like, just creating those relationships with your users is like so key. Um, like we've had people that, you know, in 2019 that we reached out to for the first time and we had nothing and we can still like hit them up, you know, and they're like still like, yes, like they're, they're still patient and just waiting to see what, what, what we do. Um, but yeah, that wouldn't be possible if we weren't like really putting a lot of time into these like uh, relationships with our users. And it's, so important, I think, for the early users, especially because without them, like we would never have gotten any of the feedback to where we are today. So, um, yeah, I think for the for also like for this year, just really strengthening these relationships with creators and focus on getting like more partnerships with like key creators, like Mickey mentioned, um, wanting to um, have creators as investors as well. Um, so I think like making those key partnerships will be very important for this year. That's exciting stuff. So I'll ask this question. You guys can all either individually ask it or just one of you ask it. But if you had one dream creator you could work with, who would it be? Okay, I have one. <laughs> so, well, my favorite creator of all time. I actually, we actually talked to their manager um, a few months ago. So I'm like still really hoping to come on board. But my um, name's are channel is Eamon and Beck. And... They are from Toronto and they lived in a van for a while, but now because of COVID, they're building out a place actually near Kingston. And they're so great. I just love them. <laughs> they're so authentic and they're just like, they have a place in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, um, I actually follow a lot of like Japanese YouTube channels. And this is one that, that I actually want to talk about more with like non-Japanese people, <laughs> but like, the Japanese entertainment industry does everything so much better than like English, <laughs> the English entertainment industry, like all of it. And I don't, I haven't like quite pinpointed like what exactly it is, but the way that like mainstream TV, mainstream celebrities are integrated with like YouTube and like content creators. And now we have like, they have like YouTubers coming on their like mainstream shows and like everything's integrated. And then like regular TV shows will like start to sell merch and just like promote it on TV. It's just a better model. And so there's this one um, like 
boy band that I've been following. They're called Six Stones. And they, like, when they first released their album and when they first became a thing, like, COVID hit. So they've just basically become famous over YouTube, which is a completely new thing that's never happened in the past. And it's just so interesting to see, like, they have such a strong following. And they don't even engage with their audience. But, like, I I think the way that they run their channel and the, the way that they're, like, integrated into mainstream TV and, like, have massive concerts with, like, millions of people, but then, like, or not millions, thousands of people, but then also... Are just like on YouTube, like looking at people's comments come in live and like talk about that on YouTube has has worked for them. So I want to like explore that space more and like t- if I could talk to them and understand how they do it, I would I would love to do that. Cool, guess I'm up. Um, for me, I think it would be really great to be able to work with. Uh, it's not really a really a content creator, but what's something really fascinating to me is Red Bull Media House. Mm. So like if you look at Red Bull Media House, like they're on the surface an energy drink. But really, they're a whole like ecosystem platform of different events. And they, I think, have done a really good job of having a lot of brand ambassadors who are, you know, pro skiers or surfers or any other ex- sport that you can care to name. Red Bull has someone doing it. And, um, you know, of course, they're not our current target customer demographic. But I think that they could really stand to benefit from having uh, better in, better engagement from their fans, which are many. And so I think that would be pretty cool, pretty cool organization to be able to work with. That's awesome. And if uh, any of those people are listening right now, you heard it here first, hit these guys up. They want to work with you. Yeah. If you're sponsored by Red Bull, hit us up. <laughs> cool. Well, I think, uh, and I don't know if you have anything else, but uh, usually at the end of our episodes, we just like to give our guests the floor to announce whatever you guys want to talk about, where we can find you guys. And, uh, you know, the camera's right in front of you. Floor is yours. Cool. Um, I guess where you can find us uh, right now, we just started a TikTok, so definitely follow us there. We're also on Instagram. Uh, we're just getting on Twitter. Uh, we're also on LinkedIn. Uh, so yeah, find us on those platforms. Um, also follow us on our personal Instagrams because we post a lot of um, our stuff there. Um, and yeah, I guess right now, so we're in like a closed beta phase and we are working towards our open beta launch, which means that we are looking for anyone who is like wants to be or is a full-time creator uh, who wants to improve their audience engagement and grow their channels to start following us and reach out to us uh, if they're like interested in being onboarded for the open beta. So it's uh, at Backer on LinkedIn, Twitter, yep. Instagram. Backer AI. Backer AI. Backer.ai, I guess. Okay. Yeah. We'll put it in the show notes for sure. <laughs> yeah. We actually changed it. We used to be Backer Space. So we might be a little scattered on the internet, but we're transitioning everything to Backer.ai. <laughs> yeah. It's also, I guess, a piece of news, <laughs> small piece of news, but um. <laughs> Yeah, because our when we originally started, our platform was kind of a different approaching the problem in just a different way. And so backer.space made sense because it was like a platform where creators and fans interacted in one spot. But since then we're really diving into like these data-driven um, audience engagement strategies. So uh, that's why we changed um, like our website and like kind of all over the internet to uh, backer.ai. Um, it kind of just signals like direction of our company, you know, we are using, okay, I'm not tech, but, uh, Duncan can correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but 
<laughs> we are using right now some NLP and machine learning to <laughs> help our creators uh, optimize their engagements. But we hope to kind of dive deeper into that um, into the new year and beyond. Um, yes. So a small spelling change, but big news for Backer. <laughs> <laughs> It's exciting stuff, guys, and we're all looking forward to what you guys are going to come out with in 2021 in the future, and we'll all stay tuned to see the successes you have in store for you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks a lot, guys. See you guys. <laughs>